Welcome to Wisdom from the Word of God, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Owen Butler, endeavoring to reconnect people with God. The Gospel according to John, chapter 6, starting at verse 4, you will find these words. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. That's enough for now, amen? amen. And I just want to talk with you from the thought, what do you do with so little. What do you do with so little? The gospel according to John, amen, is one of the four gospels, but it is unique in that it is not synoptic like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the perspectives that each one of those take, amen, from either Jewish perspective or portraying Jesus as king. But no, the Gospel of John uniquely is written that you might know that Jesus is God. And this book is written to, to allow us to see Jesus as he is, as the God-man as the second one in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
the Son of God, amen. This book is written and John himself says that this is just a portion of all of the miracles and the works that Jesus did. If he had have cataloged them all, there wouldn't be room enough in all the libraries, amen, to contain it. But I contend with us today uh, that uh, uh, this book is enough, amen. And I contend that within the 66 books of the Bible, we will spend our entire lives trying to, to carry out that which has been commanded of us in those books and never complete it. So here we find ourselves, amen, in the sixth chapter of the gospel according to John. There is a precarious situation that has found itself in the life of those who are following Jesus and his disciples who are following even closer. There is a situation here now where the festival, the, the Passover, amen, it is that celebration, amen, of the Lord passing over the houses of the Hebrews, amen, and then the death to the firstborn of everything in Egypt except the children of God. It, it is that when the death angel looked at the doorpost and he saw the blood of a lamb that was slain without spot or blemish. It was an Old Testament shadow that pointed to that sacrificial work that would one day happen at a set time by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That one day he would be on Golgotha's hill and they would put nails in his hands and they would put nails in his feet. And he would bleed and he would die for the sins of the world. Uh, but his blood would not be like the blood of lambs and bullocks and turtle doves. But no, it would be a blood that never loses its power. When they had the lambs to be slain, it was like a vicious cycle. They would be right back in that re repetition over and over again. The Day of Atonement would come and it would go. It started at Shiloh and then it ended at Jerusalem. But yet and still, it was a cycle over and over and over again. But we look toward that Lamb of God. Amen. That one whose blood never loses its power. So this feast is happening, amen, festival, but at the same time there is a situation here that needs to be dealt with. There is a situation that God establishes and God sets up the circumstances for the people of God to really begin to understand uh, what it means to trust in the Lord. When we look at our text, we find that Jesus lifted up his eyes Seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to one of his disciples, Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Isn't it something how Jesus can pose questions, amen, that we can't answer? Isn't it interesting how Jesus can give us situations in our lives that Questions are posed based on the circumstances and we can't answer. Sometimes we, we, we wrestle with questions like how, how without the finances, without the money, how am I going to send my children to school? How, how are we going to pay the tuition? Amen. The questions come 
But the answer is always in Jesus. Sometimes it's a sick loved one, amen, that the doctors are scratching their heads. And the question becomes, how will they be healed? At the end of the day, if you're smart about it, you won't go far, but you'll turn your page to the page that says Jesus. Because without him, there is no answer. He is the answer. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He told Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he live, he'll never die. Though he die, he will always live. Amen. The answer is in Jesus. So Jesus, during his three years of ministry before he died on that old rugged cross, was always teaching. He teached and he taught doing examples such as this. He set up tension in the life of his disciples, amen, so that they would see that God is a way out of no way. As grandmama said, a bridge over troubled waters. Peter could tell you about how when the winds and the waves were tossing to and fro, when he went out on the water, but he started to look at his circumstances instead of looking at the master, he began to seek. But he could also tell you that everything was all right after he said, Lord, save me. At the end of the day, when you get through with all of your calculations, when you get through searching all of your, your material and looking through your library, make sure you get to the page that says Jesus. What are we going to do with so little? God always puts the people of God in a position, amen, so that we have to exercise our faith and trust him. Because he knows that pride always wants to sneak up on the heart of his people. That pride wants to come in and say, I did it. I did it like Frank Sinatra said, my way. No, but the Lord sets up circumstances to where we have to do nothing else but bow before his feet and give him all the praise. Because we would mess around and begin to believe in a works theology. We would start to think like the world tries to say that we need to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We are the captains of our own ships. We are the masters of our own destiny. But we know better than that, don't we, saints? We know that Jesus is our captain. Amen. And we are in his ship. And we are sealed in the ark of safety. Amen. So we look at the text. And he's built the tension and, and Philip doesn't know that the master is testing him. But yet Philip goes ahead and answers the Lord. He says 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them may have a little. I, I like Philip. Amen. I like Philip because he's a thinker. Philip assessed his situation and looked at the 5,000 because guess what? What they saw was more than this text brings up. In a, another gospel, we find out that the 5,000 was just the men. That was not counting women and children. So easily it could have been 15,000, 20,000. 
But the number, even 5,000, was too much for one man and 12 learned or learning disciples. Amen? Until you know who Jesus is. So Jesus was testing Philip, and, but I like his answer because he was a thinker. He came to the conclusion pretty quick that uh, this is, in all natural means, this is a hopeless situation. We don't even have this kind of money, Jesus. And Jesus, you know the one who has the money box is a thief anyhow. Every time we raise an offering at one village, by the time we get to the next and we ain't done nothing, we haven't eaten anything, the money is somehow gone. Uh, the Bible calls him the, the thief that pilfered the money box. You know, the son of perdition. It's that one whom we call Judas. So it's a precarious situation because they're never with excess of money. And even if they were in excess of money, where would they go? What, what store would have the kind of bread right on the shelves to feed 5,000? I tell you, Jesus will put us in tense situations so that we have to exercise our faith. There might be somebody today that's going through a situation right now that they, you cannot see your way through. You, you've looked at it from all angles and it looks like it's hopeless. And that's just where Jesus wants you to be. He wants you to not stress and struggle and strain, but to trust and rest in him. Because the Bible clearly says, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer to that rhetorical question is no. I, I don't care what the situation is. There is nothing too hard to God, for God. But for some reason, there's something about this flesh. There's something about th this, this, this quagmire, this situation that we're in as human beings that our flesh always wants to raise up and take control. When God says, lean on me, God says, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When God says that, our flesh says, no, that's all right, God, I got this. I, I, I just need to talk to a few of my contacts. I need to get to somebody of influence. I, I, maybe I'll go down and get a loan at the bank or, or, or maybe I can go in and, and get a deposit out of or get a withdrawal from my 401k. But I, 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 can, I can do this, Lord. I, I can do this on my own. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to wrestle with different situations and where I should go and what I should do. I, I hear you, Lord, but, but, but I, I got this. I mean, I, I've got my education behind me. I mean, you, don't you know, Jesus, I have matriculated through the hollowed halls of academia. Lord, I, I got this. Nobody really wants to, to outwardly say that's exactly how our hearts want to take us, but in reality, that's what it wants to do. And in reality, we find ourselves, as I have in years past, spinning around in the middle of the room, trying to come to a conclusion and an answer to a problem that's unsolvable by me. And the Lord looking down at me saying, son, what are you doing? You're going around in circles. 
and you're going nowhere. Why don't you look up to me? I've got the answer. There's a door that you haven't seen yet. There's a resource that you have not had access yet. But the only way you're going to get it is you get it through me. The Lord says to us, we have not because we ask not. And then when we ask, we ask amiss. Sometimes we ask for a portion out of the Lord so we can do the rest. God helps those who help themselves. Somebody told me one time that was in the Bible. Boy, I searched the scriptures, amen, and I've not been able to find it. Well, somebody here might be able to help me, amen. I might have looked over some, but I couldn't find it nowhere. But what I kept running into, y'all, is I kept running into John 15 and 5, who says that without him we can do nothing. So here are the disciples, amen, in, in their master class with the Lord Jesus. And the, Philip has answered the question rightly that even if we had that much money, uh, they'd still be hungry. Amen. We could give them a crumb here and crumb there, but these guys out here, they look like they need a big meal. So then one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? I like what Philip had to say because he's a thinker. And I like what Andrew has to say because he's a thinker. By all intents and purposes, what? What is two little fish and five barley loaves? I mean, it's a little lad. Amen. This is just a little lad's lunch. This is not his uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, this is just a snack for him to get through the day. Amen. And here it is that this little boy, amen, with this little lunch amongst 5,000 men, not counting women and children, what is this? What? What is this amount with so many? But Jesus keeps causing folks to pose those questions. Jesus has set up a situation in the lives of the disciples so that these are the only questions that they can ask. And I contend today that he's setting up situations in our lives just like that. There's some folk going through some 5,000 situations right now. I know I am. I got some stuff going on in my life. I can't find enough hours in the day to do all that this would require. And there have been times where, where I start to sweat beads of sweat. And then I remember the words of the master. He says, rest in me. He said, he said I know your needs, son, before you even ask. And I'm reminded in this text that he's always setting up impossible situations for me. That's not impossible with God. Amen. And so, so this text is instructive for us because this allows us to start thinking about the situations that we're going through right now. These big God-sized issues that we have no business trying to work on them ourselves anyway. We need to put up our Excel spreadsheets, amen? We need to put up our Big Chief tablets. 
and we need to go down on our knees in prayer. Because it is prayer that changes things. The Bible says it is the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous that availeth much. And James says in that example that Elijah was a man just like any other man who had passions and who had issues, uh, who had sin like everybody else. Uh, but he prayed and the Lord granted him his prayer and he shut up the heaven for three and a half years. How many of y'all know that the God that blessed Elijah is the same God that'll bless you today? It is the same God in Malachi chapter 3 that says, I am the Lord and I change not. It is the same God that is talked about, amen, in Hebrews chapter 13 that says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust that the same God of the Old Testament, the same God of the New Testament scriptures who done miraculous things is the same God that wants to do miraculous things in your life. But do you believe? Do you trust and do you depend that that same God is willing and is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you would ever ask or think? So the question is, what, what can we do with so little? Well, let's see what the text says. After the questions had been asked, amen, and the little boy had been presented, Jesus said, make the people sit down. See, Jesus was all about folk getting some rest. See, we're all about toiling and spinning, amen. Jesus is about rest. Every time you turn around, Jesus is saying things like, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. See, Jesus is about rest. We're about toiling and spinning. So how do we get from toiling and spinning to rest? Well, Jesus made it clear that we need to come unto him. Not come unto our lawyers, not come unto our doctors, not come unto our politicians, not come unto our favors, but come unto the Lord. Not come unto finance, not come unto wisdom, but come unto the Lord. Uh, there seems to be a pattern here. There seems to be something that's central in what is being said. If anything's going to happen and get done correctly, you got to do it through the Lord. When you read the scriptures, every time you turn around, whatever's happening, it's in Jesus' name. You're not coming to the Father except through the Son. You're not getting life except through the Son. You're not being raised except by the Son. You don't have an inheritance without the Son. It's in Jesus' name. So we look at the text and we see that he said, sit down and rest. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. If you notice, Jesus has not had a conversation with the disciples about their analysis, has he? 
he, he hasn't said, you know, Philip, you got a good point. You sure right. So, so we need some money to get this work done. Oh, he said to Simon, Andrew, oh, yeah, this little boy found loads, uh, two little fish. Oh, that's not enough. Yeah, yeah, I see your face and I see your thoughts. And, and you know, I see what you're saying. No, God doesn't work like that. God looks right past our defense mechanisms. He looks right past our excuses. He looks right past our premises. And he gives commandments. All through the scriptures, amen, we saw this morning in Sunday school, wild folk are, are debating, even Ananias, that, that prophet down in Damascus, God didn't even deal with none of the stuff that he had to say about Saul, but he told him to go. Jesus does the exact same thing. Look at the text. Y'all, look at the text. Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks. Oh, there's something instructive right there. Jesus didn't play with this thing. He went ahead and gave God thanks in advance. Because he wasn't giving thanks to the little boy. And he wasn't giving thanks to the disciples. He was giving thanks to his father in heaven. That's a pattern for you and I. Yeah, we can say thank you because it's good to say thank you to someone who does something nice with you. But never forget to look further and realize that whatever they were able to give to you, they got it from the Lord. So at the end of the day, when you tally it all up, you better get to the source. And that's getting to the Lord. So the Lord gives thanks to the Father for what he was going to do. Not what he had already done. But in reality, Jesus lived in the kingdom, amen, of God. So he realized that even though it had not manifest physically yet, because he had already got the answer from the Father that he knew it would be done. See, we got to know that we know that we know that the things that God has told us, even though we haven't seen them manifest in the physical, that if the Lord said it, it will be done. You can trust in the promises of the Lord. And so Jesus gives thanks and he distributes them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish and as much as they wanted. Jesus is a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity. See, the world wants to give you a scarcity mindset. The world wants you to think that this is a zero-sum game. That it's got to be doggy-doggy. And you, you got to, in order to get up, you got to take from somebody else. But Jesus is showing us by example that this life is not a zero-sum game. That is from the devil, the father of lies. Don't you know that your master, your savior can make something out of nothing? He is the only one who can. Amen. And he's saying, I can do that for you as well. You don't have to take from somebody else. You don't have to try to step on somebody else to get ahead. You can get ahead without touching anybody else because I've got the head. I've got the head before the tail. I've got it all. He said, I am the one who give you the power to make wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, I, I don't want you to be the borrower. I want you to be the lender. 
I, I don't want you to be the tail. I want you to be the head. So he's using his disciples as vessels to, to propagate that very fact that Jesus can make something out of nothing. And life is not a life of scarcity with a believer, but the life of abundance. Oh, the day when the saints of God really grapple with and take hold of the fact that our master has it all in his hands. We sing that song that we put it all in his hands. Oh, but we need to know that everything we ever need is also in his hands. We, we need to know that there is an abundant life set up for us. When the Lord says exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think, he means it. But do we believe? Do we believe? He's waiting on some folks who believe that very thing. And he wants to show up and show out in your lives. Can you imagine, amen, what it would be like if we would just believe even though we could not see? We spend too much time discussing and, and looking at the pros and cons instead of taking it to the Lord and being like this 5,000, sitting down and rest. See, there's something about having awe when you look at God. There's something about seeing God when the wow factor comes in. When you start looking at the lows and looking at God. Looking at the lows and looking at God. And as you look at the lows and look at God, look at the fish and look at God, a wow factor comes over your life. You're not straining, you're not struggling, but you're in awe. The excitement of your spirit seeing God work like he said he would. When he brings finances out of nowhere, when you look and try to put a pencil to it, you can't find where the source came from. When you were sick and the doctors had pronounced that you were not going to have but a few days longer, but all of a sudden you were strong again, that your eyes were open and you were standing up and you were walking around and giving God his glory. It's the wow factor, looking at the sickness, but looking at God. Looking at the sickness, and looking at God. So this little lad here, it just may be, because I don't hear him saying a whole lot. He might have understood this wild factor. That's why Jesus says, don't suffer not the children to come to me. Because theirs is the kingdom of God. See, it's that childlike wonder, amen, that we need to cultivate again what we had when we were children. When we were children, we wanted to be this and that, and we believed we could be. Amen. We believed we could be all kinds of things. But as life and the world began to beat on us, we be began to break down our focus, and our parameters started to come up, and gates started to shut down our minds. But if we could just get back to that childlike faith, the Lord wants to do exceedingly abundantly in our lives. He wants to do some stuff that we never thought God would do. He wants us to be change agents in this society. He wants us to be able to go out in communities and train those who believe that there's no hope and give them a future and, and show them new ways to work and start businesses and to have new homes and to have great community, to learn how to worship God, to be filled with the Spirit, to have joy and peace forevermore, to know that greater is He that is in them than He in the world. It's that kind of thing that the Lord wants us to be like. And Jesus Christ spent His life, amen, teaching and, and, and living so that we could understand and to grapple with this truth. 
But Jesus' mission is different than ours. Amen. His mission at the end of the day was to die. His ministry was preaching and teaching, but his mission was to die. And I'm here to let you know, amen, that he accomplished his mission. Uh, the Bible says that there was such a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, let us run our race with endurance. Because Jesus ran his race. He ran it with joy that was set before him. He despised the shame and he endured the cross. He was obedient to the very end. So saints of God today, I want you to know that the Lord has given you a race. And the race that he's given you is not a race to the swift, nor to the strong. But they that endure till the end shall be saved. Whatever situations are in your life today, no matter how big, know that your God is bigger. And don't forget that wow factor. Don't forget to go to God with childlike wonder. Look at your dire situation, but then look at your big God. Look at your situation and look at your big God. Calling on his name, knowing he wants to hear from his children. Watch him work because he can work miracles. Living, he loved us, and dying, he saved us. He carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified and freed me forever. Now, 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 oh, how safe am I? I know that's the story that you can tell as well. Because the master has made a way out of no way. And he wants to show his glory through you and I. He, they marched out Jesus from judgment hall to judgment hall. They whipped him all night long and then they marched him down to Via Dolorosa. But every step of the way he had you in mind. When they marched him outside the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha's Hill. His mind was on your salvation and on his father's glory. So the Bible says he didn't sin, say a mumbling word. He could have called down a legion of angels, but he didn't. They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He could have come down, but he decided to stay on that cross to save you and me. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. And he's been drawing men, women, and children ever since they lifted him up. 
and they dropped him in the hole. And he was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. From the sixth to the ninth hour, darkness was all over the land. Because the S-O-N was on the cross, the S-U-N refused to sign. There was a time in all this that the Father had to turn from the Son. Because my sins and your sins was on his shoulders. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But that's not the end of the story. Because in that ninth hour, my Jesus and your Jesus, he died. Didn't he die? He dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and he gave up the ghost. They took him down off that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. Somebody here today may say, why was it a borrowed tomb? Because Jesus wasn't going to be there very long. They put him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early before the crickets began to sing their song. It was early before the dew began to fall. It was early Jesus got up with all power in his hand. Didn't he do it? Yes, he did. And he walked this earth for a 40-day layover. And then after the 40 day layover, he stepped out on a cloud and went back to glory. And right now, we serve a living God. He's not dead, but he's alive. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. And guess what, saints? One of these days, it won't be very long. One of these days, in a twinkling of one of these days the trump is gonna sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and they that remain shall be caught up in the air won't you be ready make sure your business is fixed because we're going up in that great coronation it'll be howdy howdy and never goodbye no more pain no more suffering it'll all be over. God shall wipe all the tears from our eyes. The former things will be passed away. And then behold, there's coming a new city, not made with hands, whose builder and architect is the Lord. A new Jerusalem with 12 foundations, 12 gates to the city. The streets are paved with gold. Won't you go with me today? Won't you trust in the Lord today? Because he's willing to save your very soul. God bless you and God keep you. It's my prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord.
be worthy. Amen. The doors of the church are open. I never take for granted that there might be someone here today that doesn't know the Lord Jesus in the pardoning of their sins. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that the whosoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The whosoever's, no matter what station in life you've been, no matter what you've done, that you can't go so low that Jesus can't pick you up. You can't sin so much that grace can't get above you. That's the Lord that is calling on your name today. If you don't know him today, I encourage you to say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Change me, rearrange me, turn me around and place my feet on the solid ground. That I dare not trust in the strongest frame, but I trust wholly in Jesus' name. It, it is that time, amen, if the blood is running warm in your veins today, and you know that your relationship with Jesus is not there, take care of that business today. Amen. There is a room from the Word of God listening family. I want to once again thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you would be so kind, on whatever platform you listen to Wisdom from the Word of God, I ask that you give it a review. And when you give it a review, also give some specifics as it relates to why you enjoy this podcast. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, whether it's Stitcher Radio or iHeartRadio, whether it's Spotify or Anchor FM, whether it's Player FM, whether it's CastBox or Breaker, or any of the many platforms where you can hear this podcast. It would help us so much so that more can discover this podcast through seeing your comments and reviews and ratings and hopefully this will give us more visibility and more distribution 
to reach more with the message of Jesus Christ. And once again, I am so thankful that you have taken out the time to listen to this podcast. And for your continued support, I will be forever grateful. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer.